little karaoke at the main show, at the end of the main show. Why the fuck sure. not? That's cool. That's cool by me. <sighs> Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Oh, I should have done this song. This is the song I wanted to play. Huh? Do it next time. Okay. Do it now. Yeah, do it now. What do you feel? But, should we sing it? I don't I don't know if you'll you might not know it. But you probably will, I don't know. Hip hop, hibbity hop, and it don't stop. That's very 80s, that synthesizer. This one I got. Fake sax? They sentenced me to 20 years of boredom For trying to change the system from within So Leonard Cohen, so I'm coming now I'm coming to reward them. First, we take Manhattan. Then we take Berlin. <laughs> yeah, find the lyrics for this song. First, we take Manhattan. By a signal in the heavens. I'm guided by this earth mark on my, my skin. skin. I'm guided by, by the beauty of our weapons. weapons. First we take to Manhattan and then Berlin. <laughs> then we take Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. So, Game of Thrones. What do you want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Uh, I re- I think I'm probably most interested in how uh, I forget the name, but the religious guy at King's Landing. How he's like. Oh yeah, the Septum. The, the Grand Septum. Septum. Grand Septum. You know, he's. Well, he's playing. He's playing the game. He's playing the Game of Thrones. He's, he's, he's just he's using a different method than they're used. Well, to. he has a different royal family, right? right it's yeah. a divine divinity thing, right. right? But the thing is, you know, it's curious. It, it, it really has some good parallels with, uh, you know, what we see in real world, right? Is is he playing the game, or is he honestly feel that you know, is he is he using the gods to his benefit or is he just doing what well i think that it's telling him it's not clear and it's not clear whether that's what cersei's doing either i mean yes cersei is uh you know we we hate her but at the same time that's what she was brought up doing and that's what she has learned about the Mm -hmm. world and that's what she thinks is the right thing to do right so it's just a different method. It's just you know a different house, as it were. It, it's really interesting how that he, she let in, so she is sort of right. She gained, you know, and he has his protection, right? Yeah, and she, she did it with the Martells too. And this, her way of defeating the Martells was to bring in this other house that is now 
even worse than the Martells were. Right. And then the coup in Dorn. Yeah. What's going to come from that? Who cares what happens in Dorn? Well, it might be... <laughs> Okay, is it going to be superfluous, or is it going to wrap itself back in? To I don't know. Refocus, you know. At this point, we're beyond the uh, beyond the book, so I don't know. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I'm really I can't wait. I, you know, it's kind of like oh, the person I root for the most in the entire show is Aya, Arya, Arya Stark. Right? No, Arya. Yeah, Arya. Right. You know, it's. I want to know what becomes of her character. I know? suspect she's going to become an assassin. Will she completely be the girl with no no face? Yes. Or will she still harbor some Starkism? Possibly, but I think that the better story is that she loses. Loses all Stark? Yeah. It would, I mean, I'm not going to complain. But it's like, you know, she's the most innocent Stark. Right. You know, and, you know. But the whole point of Game and, of and a very, you know, like one of the strongest Starks at this point. I mean. But one, one of the. Except for that whole, her, you know, when she cheated the man with no face and mm-hmm. lost her sight, you know. Other than that, she was so strong the entire thing. One of the things that we, we like about Game of Thrones is they don't fall using the same do you think they they do you think they gave her enough gave her suffering enough airtime it seemed like it was like too easy it does seem like a little fast right it seems like they they, but then again i mean you can say that but at the same time remember how much complaints there were when theon was tortured for six episodes and if Arya would was tortured for more than a couple more episodes and it would just be okay just doing the same thing over and over again Right. I mean, I don't know how the timeline works out, but I mean, I would have, I would have not loved it, but I would have been fine with if we didn't see Arya until like the second or third to last episode of the season. You know, where we knew she was tortured in the first episode, uh-huh. and then like third from the end. Oh, well, we don't. Well, we don't gets... know what what the rest of the story has for it. So it could be. Well, right. There's just. But, a but lot I mean, of it seems about. like her trial, her ordeal that she had, didn't seem heavy enough. Right. I agree. But we don't know what the time frame is, so... Well, right. But I'm just saying the way it was portrayed, it... There was things, like, I mean, she was... She was seriously... I think um, I think what your major complaint is, we didn't really see her change in behavior. Well, no, I mean, there was a... You know, she gets punished. The next, like, from my memory, the next scene, she's hardcore beggar. It didn't seem like enough episodes had passed for her to go all the way to begging on the street blind. Okay, well, it was you know? between seasons that that happened. Well, I understand. I'm just giving you my feel. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I because I, you know it, it was a really fast from the first scene where we see her begging on the steps to being to uh, redeemed. Sure, she got hit in the face with a bow staff a lot, but it seemed quick. You know, it didn't. I mean, they they added a montage in there to give you a little bit of yeah of time. You know, to present that. I, as, as I'm just saying. You know, it just seemed a little too easy. I mean, I they tried to show that she had an ordeal. Mm-hmm. It it just seemed like the pacing of the episode, right? Like it does seem like in. the the stuff is moving really really fast like they they've yeah. pushed down the accelerator and things are just moving 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 
especially on her time on her time but still with the danny storyline too that seemed like that could t- i mean that whole thing could take a could take a whole season to resolve and it feels like they're gonna resolve it in two more episodes <laughs> It feels like this is like she is is a slave, and then all of a sudden she's a Khaleesi, and or she's a Cal's wife, and then they're gonna question whether she was worthy of joining, and she's gonna do something this next episode. Dragon's gonna fly in, yeah. Dragon's gonna fly in and burn everybody, and it's like, all right, done with this storyline. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's hard for her to have an ordeal, right? Yeah. Because I mean, of her divinity, her. I mean, it's kind of divinity, right? She's the mother of dragons. She doesn't get burned. I wish we pause. I gotta go to the bathroom. We can't really pause on these. Uh, let's see what happens when I hit... Let's try it on this one. Let's try it on the backup first. What happens when I hit the pause button? All right. Nope. Pause button doesn't pause. Yeah. I didn't think it would. Just playback, right? Yep. Well, you want to, uh... You want to talk? Yeah, I'll carry. I'll right. carry this. You tried it last time. I know it failed last time. Uh, I'll try better. Stop kicking your headphones around, man. Wasn't my intention. Okay, I got something to talk about. So, I've just discovered Amazon Prime Music. Uh, it's pretty good, uh, and I don't pay for uh, subscription music service. Uh, I use Pandora primarily. The biggest problem I always had with Pandora was that. My channels didn't, my stations did not have enough variety. I would add artists, I would add songs, I would do this, I would do that, I would, but they would, every time I go into Pandora, I'd hear the same top 40. You know, it seems like, you know, they're really based around the top 40. And the only way to like get out of that top 40 is to say, I, either you can thumb down a song or you can say, I've heard the song too much and they'll put it on the shelf for 30 days. I, like the idea of the music genome project i don't want to thumb down songs of structure that i like and like for example a song that i like the structure of but i never want to hear again is 3 a.m from Maxbox 20 i've had it with that song but i also don't want to tell pandora that i don't like that kind of song so i don't want to like you might actually might be somewhat interested in this, so I'll recap a little bit. I'm talking about uh, online music streaming and stuff uh-huh. like that. And I've traditionally been a Pandora user. And the biggest thing I don't like about Pandora is no matter how you try to make a station, it seems like they really stick to a top 40 playlist okay. and hear the same thing over and over again. And I appreciate the Music Genome Project and how they pick up you know the kinds of songs you like. So... For the perfect example is the kind of song I like is, you know, 90s rock, like the Clark's Matchbox mm-hmm. 20, things like that. So 3AM from Matchbox 20, it's a song I am done with. I, I don't ever want to hear that song again. But I like it's the construction. 3AM, I must be going. But I like the construction of the song, mm-hmm. right? So I like songs that sound like that song. But I never want to hear 3AM again. So if I give it a thumbs down, I'm cueing Pandora that I don't like that kind of song. Right. But that's not true. So the only other option I have is to say I'm sick of 3AM. Don't play it for 30 days. But on the 31st day, I'm going to hear 3AM again. You know, it's mm. like, ugh. So I started using Amazon Music. It's uh, free with Prime. Lots of stuff on there. There's actually a couple artists that I've... Roger Klein... 
it used to be the lead singer of a band called The Refreshments. Do you remember the song Banditos from the 90s? You know, I probably would have heard it. Like, talk about like John Luke Picard is mentioned in it. I can't sing it, so I'm not even going to try. But he has been doing Roger Klein and the Peacemakers for the last 15 years or so. And I've heard a bunch of their songs here and there on Pandora, but I've never been able to listen to an album straight through. And Despite its large, bulbous head, its brain is small. An ornery this isn't... creature. Yes, this song. Yeah, okay. You know song. So that's Roger Klein singing for the refreshments. The band broke up after the third album. And he's been doing Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And I've cut bits and pieces of uh, Ocho Loco and Americano and you know, a couple of the other songs that they do. But now that I have Amazon Music, I'm able to actually listen to the album straight through. And I'm, you know, I'm so happy because, well, I don't want to buy the albums. Cheapy, you know. Uh, free with Prime. Lots of music on there. The only downside is I thought, you know, well, let, let's sign up. Let's get Ale- or Heather on this too. So I don't have to because she pays for Spotify right now, mm-hmm. and we already pay for Prime. Thing is, Amazon Music is not shareable amongst the family. It's only available to the primary account holder on Prime. Where like video streaming, you can add other family members. So that's kind of a bummer. Okay. So so Heather can't use it. So she's gonna stick with her Spotify. I was hoping that. Her biggest complaint about Spotify is that Taylor Swift isn't on Spotify. Yeah, Taylor Swift really controls where her stuff is. Well, her stuff's on Amazon. So I'm like, hey, Heather, look at this. And then she installs the app on her phone, and it's like, Amazon only allows it on the primary account. I'm like, motherfuckers. Mm. But the, the player, the phone app, you can cache stuff locally. The web player, good stuff. I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Amazon Music. That was my filler where you went to the people. Okay. Oh, I did want to talk about... I saw the Captain America movie. Okay. And it's so much better than the Batman movie. <laughs> Batman Superman This movie. is the Captain of Civil War? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's... Uh, Max will love you for sending that to me. <laughs> I'm serious. Is it? It's fine for him, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fine. There's, there's shit, I think. So well, we watched Back twice. to the Future, so yeah. Um, yeah, there's nothing, nothing. Uh, it's not Deadpool, right? Um, he might be a little boring in some places because they because there are, although it's propulsive in moves, there are definitely like there, there's an opening action sequence, and then there's a lot of talking stuff, and there's the big action sequence. There's some more talking, and then there's the end action sequence. But the end action sequence is much more personal, which is something that really uh, that I liked about it is that the the scale of this story is not like a lot of the a lot of the past Marvel movies. They all had some blue energy beam come down from the sky and it's threatening the whole world. Okay, this scale is just personal between Iron Man and Captain America at the end. It's just. I mean, it's, Bucky's involved too, but it's really just a fight between them. And they're also characters that you like, character, both of them. And both of them are positions that you understand. They both have actual motivation, which you didn't see in Batman vs. Superman at all. They, the characters had no... They just had their opinions. They had no fucking motivation. Uh, why did Batman really want to kill Superman? There's no thing. He just wants to kill. I want to kill Superman! 
Gotcha. Why is Lex Luthor <laughs> doing what he's doing? Uh, I'm crazy. Uh, everybody in this... Everybody is given... All the characters are given sort of time to express themselves, to express their who they are and what their motivations are. Even the ancillary characters like Ant-Man and, uh, okay. and Spider-Man. Oh, cool. So, and Spider-Man is great in this. He They really nailed sort of the nervous kid who's, who's a little in over his head situation, which is something that uh, doesn't really come across in the other movies. Very cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it uh, if it's raining tomorrow. Watch it with Max tomorrow. All right, yeah, I think you will enjoy it. It's so that was the refreshments. I'm gonna play a little bit of the Roger Klein and the Peacemakers here. I like this song quite a bit. All right. I have you tuned down if you want to, you know, put stuff in. I'm just trying to think of what. There you what go. You turned back up, but yeah. So. One of the reasons why it was so much better than the Batman vs. was, like I said, you could understand people's motivation. You could understand why people right. were doing what they were doing. If there is a complaint I had about Captain, but there's one thing that Batman vs. Superman was better at. Really, there was no distinct visual style to Captain America. It was very, okay. it was very Marvel-esque. It just had that uh, popcorn style. And Batman vs. Superman, for all of its faults, which there are myriad faults, uh, it did have a stylistic vision. Uh, Snyder does capture beautiful frames. He's really good at, at setting up uh, a camera and, and capturing uh, an interesting visual. But he's no good at actors. He's no good at telling a story. Okay. He's just good at pr- producing a visual. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect a lot of interesting visuals there, and, and Captain America is not a perfect movie. I'd give it an 8 out of 10, but I really did enjoy it. It was okay. very fun. Probably for a superhero movie. I mean, yeah. as long as it keeps the story going and keeps you, you know, excited. Yeah, it absolutely that's does. That's all you need. I mean, and Ant-Man. I thought Ant-Man was a great movie. Yeah, I thought Ant-Man was too. And, I mean, and, for my expectations, you know, I'm not going to... Yeah, it's, it's, it's some dumb character you don't care about. Yeah. And the, the, the cool thing, they introduced two new characters in this movie. Right? They introduced... Uh, Spider-Man, who, you know, you care about kind of because you already know mm-hmm. Spider-Man, but they introduced Spider-Man as a new character. But they didn't go with... They didn't, in Batman vs. Superman, you saw Batman's backstory, his parents getting shot, like, three times. That's something you've already seen before in, like, four movies. And you don't care about it because... How old was Batman when that happened? Way younger. <laughs> yeah, like, Not was, even a teenager, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't talk at all about Spider-Man's backstory, which you already know. There, there's a there's like a, a slight thing which you you can sort of there's a talk that he has with Tony Stark and you can sort of see the reflection of that, but he doesn't have to talk about the actual event. Right. So I watched. It ties into this. Right. Well, I just want to say. Oh, okay. Uh, and the other character is Black Panther, who is immediately interesting. Okay. And immediately you're like both of these characters, like I want to see their movies. I want to see. How these characters act because they're so they're very interesting characters and they're very right. unique in the other. So so what's a call? What's that thing called in movies when you have like kind of a dialogue or a monologue that kind of recaps for the audience? The there's a name for that, yeah. right? There's a well, it's not a soliloquy. It's no, no. There's I I, I thought it was a, a term that you would know from your 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 um, Dan Harmon stuff, <laughs> and whatnot, but uh, but. 
Maybe not. Okay. Anyway, Back to the Future 2. Right. Right. They are... Expository. Ex- okay. It was exposition. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're, they're back in 1985, and it's the alternate timeline, and everything's a dump because Biff's a billionaire. And they already, like, when Marty went to the hotel, they had the little history museum, and they show the video, and they show how Biff made his money, right? And it's, like, painfully obvious, because you already saw old Biff go back in the time machine Uh and give him the book, right? And then later on, when they're back in Doc's garage, there's this whole exposition back and forth that explains the whole thing. Right, there's a... chalkboard right Where well does... there's a chalkboard but then there's like oh my god i caused this and yeah. the, we know you caused this you well know? it's it was the 80s right yeah. or, or early 90s it was i think it might have been it 89. Yeah, 89. 89 so it was especially with a time travel movie right they weren't prepared to just Assume that people knew how time travel, yeah, but there was worked. a whole scene that filled in what That's, I mean. Bit... That sort of it reminds me of like Rick and Morty. They can do this yeah. sort of shit because we know how that yeah. works. But okay, at so, that time, it wasn't there wasn't a lot of time travel movies around. I, I guess. I mean, the whole the alternate timeline that looks like a get you know source code tree with branches and stuff. Right, right. You know that that was worthwhile. It was the part where they already had a scene where there was this museum video that showed how Biff won his first horse race in 1958 and you know and like how he went on a winning streak of betting right and we already knew that's what Marty wanted to do you know it it didn't need to be spelled out a second time it was actually done twice one time was alluded to almost plainly and then the second time was painfully plain you know pushed in your face alright let me let me More than words? No. It's okay. Not. Was the band that sang more than words? Yes. Steel Panther. Sits on your box in Oklahoma City, all considered a fox. What you have to do for that backstage pass? Cause I found a I thought we weren't up for misogyny anymore. I think in this form, it's clearly a parody. So. It's okay, like, if you're making fun of it, then I, then I think it's funny. I'm not sure it's clear enough. There's a bunch of ignorant people that'll think this is an anthem. Hello, pretty baby, suck my balls all night. Well, I didn't know the title of it. <laughs> no, the title is, is Girl from Oklahoma, but <laughs> okay. that's the chorus. Uh, okay, so anyway, yeah, so what were you talking about again? <laughs> This is very distracting. Oh, Back to the Future too, right? Yeah. right? The, the the whole exposition, mm-hmm. which seemed unnecessary. It seemed like they had covered the need in the the video, which 
when I watched the when when he walked up to the museum and saw the video, I'm like, oh, that's a convenient way to deliver all this information. And then when I had to watch them deliver it again in the dialogue, it's like, oh. But yeah, I mean, it was '89, so I'll, I'll give it give it a pass. The movie was fun. Al, I told you this off the air, but it was fun because Allie asked me to pause the movie, and she's like, "Time travel is confusing." <laughs> she was starting to get the paradoxes yeah. and like, oh, how like it's not clean, you know, like the butterfly effect type stuff. She was getting right. that. No, like that was really, yeah, you know, that was really cool. Especially, it's like, wait a second, time travel is really yeah. confusing. And, and so it was meant to like appeal to people like her who aren't used to that sort of style of 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 movie and it was meant to appeal to general audiences and so they had to go back and explain time travel stuff because yeah this was not a well-known concept to mm-hmm. general audiences. you mentioned you didn't like two as much as you grew up i i really i can't tell you the last time i've seen it i actually a lot of the plot was new to me i didn't remember a lot of the plot and I really enjoyed when they were back in 1955, and you could see Marty watching Marty do his thing. You know, I, I, I liked it. I, I but all the 1955 stuff was sort of a retread of the first movie. There's there's a little bit more uh, dimension to you know because you because he's he's back and he sort of knows how to deal with this. He knows how to deal with it, which is interesting because it's not like he's a seasoned time traveler. It was right. like two days ago, right? Which is is fun to think about too. Nice. Um, but it almost makes you want to watch the first movie again to see if, like, there's, like... There aren't, like... They're not there. Could you see... Yeah, could you see more? No, because... But are there shots that, like, did they make sure that none of the shots could expose, you know? No, I doubt it. No, because they didn't know they were going to make a... a No, no, what I'm saying is when they, when they, when they storyboarded episode two, part two, did they make sure none of the shots were... No, no. I, Exposing, I like, so you got Marty hiding behind a car. Right. I would like to see in episode one that none of the shots show, like, Marty, like, show Marty's head not poking up over that car. That, that car was never seen. You know, that kind of thing. I, I, I think because, again, now, this this is an, an age where you didn't have Reddit yeah. people going, yeah. you know, oh, this should have been there. This yeah. should have been there. Yeah. So. so Allie actually asked me the conversation the two Doc Browns have. Uh-huh. You know, they're by the the right by the place where he makes the junction in Back to the Future One, where the lightning goes like almost through him. Right, they're right at that light post, and they have a little conversation. And Ellie asked me, like, was that in Episode One? I'm like, no, no. The, the, the only conversation about a weather test was with the police officer. Right. And she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I really. And Max liked Back to the Future too. He was kind of bored with Back to the Future one, but he, mm-hmm. a five year old, he enjoyed this one. Well, so. as I said, Back to the Future two is very propulsive. It's yeah. very, it just moves, 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 moves. So yeah, a five year old will be entertained by it. Like I have, they only, Ellie only saw it today because I didn't want the times that we've watched movies since Back to the Future one. I'm like, oh, I don't want to bore Max again. We'll watch other things that you know he would be more into. And then he actually asked today to watch Back to the Future too. I'm like, okay. And he was into it. So, he was bored at first, but then on like recollection, he's like, oh, I I enjoyed parts of this movie, mm-hmm. or all you remember is the fun part. So maybe there's more stuff with the cool. And of course they there. teased. I forgot that it ended in a continuum. You know, yeah. I, like the story does not resolve in Back to the Future too. Right. And I know Back to the Future 3 is not a great movie. 
And now, they, but they, I forgot at the end that they like show teasers from the next movie. Mm-hmm. So the kids are immediately like, "Do you have Back to the Future 3? I'm like, "I wasn't gonna download it, but I guess you need to watch it now." They don't need to really. Well, they need to see Marty get back to 1985 and everything go happily ever after. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. For kids, it's fine. You won't enjoy it. No, but they need to see the happily yeah. ever after. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll appreciate some of the easy comedy hits. <laughs> okay, so the this was a conspiracy theory I read online that the throwback Thursday hashtag is a, is an NSA operation to gather your personal photographs. It's kind of genius in the way like that might actually work. <laughs> I mean, it has been so, but it it, it is very much sort of. Uh, justifying things in the future based, you know, based on how things are popular, and no one knows what's going to be popular or not. Right. So it doesn't make any sense that the CIA would sponsor a throwback Thursday, but it does make sense that they they say, okay, this is popular. Let's see what we can do to keep it spreading. Is is throwback Thursday consequential in the amount of photos that are posted online publicly? I- there's a lot. I mean, we don't. What's the what's the pers- okay. specific value of old photos of nonsense? Uh, compared to just the general background noise of photos that are posted. What would be the specific value of old photos? I, I suppose it would be intelligence as to where people were at, at certain times and, and what they look like. Um, but Twitter scrubs location information out of those photos so but still you can judge by you know if they were in Disneyland you can tell or something like that oh, so the people that are at landmarks right you'd be able to track the people right. that were at landmarks I don't buy it yeah I don't buy it either. <laughs> um <laughs> Did yeah. I, sh- I don't know if I showed you a photo but I was going through my old photo fo- you know I have like all my old photos from kid from right. when I was a kid digitized and we were doing some of it, Heather's and I found a match. No, yeah, yeah, I saw uh, that. I yeah, the, the, we were the, both the... at. So there used to be a, a Sea World in um, Ohio. What city? Um, I forget what city in Ohio. Uh, Aurora, Ohio, not too far from the Pennsylvania state line. And we were both sitting on the same stone dolphin, like at the front gate, like less, a little less than a year apart. When we were like four years old, five years old, so sure, coincidences happened, but that was cool that we had photographic mm-hmm. evidence that we were both sitting in the same place, right, like, relatively close together, and actually having that information like in my head, yeah, pretty cool. That is that it, it is cool that, that that happens, but I mean that yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, but it happens for so many more people, and they never notice yeah. it. And, okay, the interesting thing is that. I so recently I downloaded Snapchat, and I said because okay. I recently said to myself, oh, so before I said to myself, oh, I would never do Snapchat. Who cares? Then I realized, well, I said that about Twitter. I said that about other things. Maybe I should like look into these new things and just not be like, oh, I'm set in my ways, okay. right? I should, uh, I should try to handle or be able to handle new stuff. So I just look into Snapchat. And I, I have it, and you know. 
I just I'm following a few like famous people and then watching their sort of stories because you can okay. save things for a day. And I don't really like it that much, but at least I've tried it out. Okay. And I'm willing to, you know, I I can understand. Like, my first reaction to Twitter was much different than my, uh, you know, it's it's right. documented. I I started uh, at using Untapped a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't. I don't want to tick off everything I drink. But you know what I would love is if they had a data API and we could upload all the beers that we've had on the show. Right. That'd be great to have in untapped on like some kind of like CBR page or something. I don't care about badges. I don't care about ticking right. off lists. But then I found when I was in Philly and I'm having some of these beers or, you know, it's like, you know, not so much the ones I was like, not the whales I was drinking at Monk's, but when I was at this barbecue place on the near Harrisburg or when I was a pizza boy, I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, check these in there. But then when I was at the bar on Friday, I'm like, eh, I really don't want to check those in. So I'm not sure what I'm going to find. Yeah, I didn't like the way, I don't like the way that it just sort of presents it as like it's timeline instead of. Yeah. yeah and it's like, okay, so like a couple of the beers I, I wrote a quick review on. But I, I didn't, I, I have not felt comfortable giving them a star rating on anything I've checked in yet. It's just, I just don't, I don't like, star ratings aren't enough new ones for me. Right, it doesn't I work. Agree. All right, Magnets. I forgot to queue up with ICP, but we're going to listen to some Social D where you talk about Magnets. All right, so the question is, what exactly? What is the question? I don't know. As long as you're not going to get in, make me explain monopoles, I'm pretty good with Magnets. No, I'm not going to explain monopoles. Okay. In fact, I'm going to describe uh, Magnets as purely dipole, because we've never okay. discovered Okay. Fire away. I think I know my magnets. All right. So, well, the question is, how do they work, essentially? Is that the question? That's what ICP wants to know. But the question is for you. What do you need to understand? So, So when I was in high school, right, uh, the answer was, we don't know why things are magnetic. Okay, we do now. And Right, we do now, right? It has something to do with, like, the moment of the electron. It or something that hangs right. out on one side longer. I mean, super kindergarten way of explaining it, it hangs on one side longer than the other side or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right? well, okay, so every atom and really every uh, every particle for the most part, even like, well, every particle that, that is susceptible to charge is essentially a rotating magnet. Uh, so that's what we call the moment, right? It is the magnetic mm-hmm. moment. It is this, basically, it's, it's this rotating... It had it charge in, in some sort of spin. And when you get into big things, big chunks of things, for the most part, like you or me, we have, there's very little magnets coming out because all the spins are aligned in various different ways. And so there's nothing, it's just, they're all, they're all aligned differently and so mm-hmm. nothing happens. Now when you get big magnetic forces is when all the spins are aligned together. You get these domains inside your object where right. there are these large bunch of atoms. Does that have to do all... with like crystal structure or anything like that? Or... It doesn't necessarily, okay. no. It's different than... It's, it's a different phenomena than physical structure. I mean, I know magnets can be trained, right? You can, yeah. you can get... If you have like 
I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but say, for example, you have something that's close to the phase change and you have like a liquid, right? And you put it in a magnetic field and you cool it so it freezes into a solid, then everything's going to be aligned. Well, that way. E- even easier, you can just wrap a nail with wire and you turn an electromagnet and it's going to, uh, after a little bit, it's going to retain some of that magnetic right. mm-hmm. uh, there because you're going to be aligning some of the spins. There is a temperature, it's called the Curie temperature, which you get things up to and then the all, all the spins start, all the magnetic properties go away because all the spin, because you've okay. gotten the, the material to the point sure. where it, all okay. the spins are, are going all right. crazy. So these, so basically, it's it's you can think of it sort of like gravitation that a large mass is attractive, a large amount of spin is largely attractive, and it gets out a lot further. It sort of keeps adding to the force that's out there, and so it, it combines. It makes this larger force, and that's what's happening with with magnets. Is you basically have all the spins of an object, or or a, a large majority of the atomic spins are aligned. Mm-hmm. And that is creating this field, this magnetic field. And the magnetic field is dipole. So if you bring something close to it, it gets attracted. Now here's the, another interesting thing I think that is important to talk about. If I have an object that's magnetic and I have another object of the opposite magnetic, right? Mm-hmm. But it's on the table, they're not moving. And they're not attracting each other at this point. There is no field change at all. Magnetism doesn't matter until one of these moves. Magnetism doesn't matter until one of those moves. Like I said, these are on the table. They're not being pushed into each other. And they're not anchored. They're just not strong enough to make a move. Right, so... So friction is the only thing that's... Sort of, but in in a very in a very realistic in a very real way, these will not attract each other until one of them moves. Movement is important. You have to change the field in order for the attraction to happen. So if you bring the magnet into the area where the field will affect it, you're moving it into this field, so you're changing the field. But if they are, if you manage to get, so I mean, what you're saying is, if the magnets weren't always stuck together. And they moved close enough so they want to stick together. Because you got you got two kinds of magnets. You got magnets that aren't stick together, and mm-hmm. you got magnets that are stuck together. Right. And if you don't move any of them, nothing's going to change. Right. But if you move the magnets aren't stuck together a little bit closer, they might want to stick together. Yeah. The the, the point I'm trying to express here is that you need to have some change in the field for it to. All right. But okay. So you have two magnets that want to stick together, but I'm holding them apart. Mm-hmm. I guess the change is me letting go, right? Mm, no. Or, the, or do you have to start before I even put the magnets in proximity? Yeah, you have other. to start before you brought, bring right. them into proximity. The, the so, change, so that's why I said you have two kinds of magnets. Magnets that are stuck and magnets that aren't stuck. Right. I guess that, yeah. But um, the reason why that's important is when you get into understanding what magnets, like how an electromagnet actually works. Why electric charge creates a magnetic charge. Okay. All right. So let's look at the inside of a wire, right? Let's say this is a copper wire. And through it, you're generally going to find 
uh, charges are evenly split, right? Mm-hmm. They're, you know, the, the charge is positive protons and there's negative electrons, and, but they're all throughout the wire and whatever. That's, that's fine. Let's get these positive protons. And you get this sort of soup of electrons. But in general, it's all... It's all basically evening out. So if you have a magnet, a little like magnetic box here, mm-hmm. it's not going to be attracted at all. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, what happens if you start the electrons moving from one, you know, from a potential here to a negative potential here? And you start these electrons, which are really tiny, you start them moving in, mm-hmm. in this direction. Well, in general, this is going to still be the same. These are moving, but it's going to average out to be the same uh, in terms of electric charge. Mm -hmm. But what happens when this square starts moving? Let's say, for simplistic sake, it's moving about the same speed as the drift speed of the electrons. Okay, so these electrons are moving, and by special relativity, we also know that when they're moving relative to something else, something else starts to look smaller and condensed. Right? It starts to look smaller Mm -hmm. and and closer together. These electrons will see these protons, because they're moving, even though they're moving relatively slowly... They're not moving at super high relative speeds. They're so small that they're moving, and these these protons will start to look closer together, a little bit smaller, but they'll have the same charge, and they'll be closer together. That'll happen to these electrons, and it will happen to this, to this magnetic charge, this magnet box. So it's going to feel an electric charge pushing the magnet away or pulling it closer. Okay. It's the charges that's doing this, right? It's not. This is to to the okay. box. It looks like a charge thing. This is electric field. However, to you, who is standing still, this is, looks different. This is a magnetic field. Okay. So, yeah. So I never appreciated the relativistic effects of the spacing of the protons. Right. I uh, never thought about it that way before. So that's interesting. Yeah, so it shows to, uh, digest, you know, the, the the thought experiment of the box and stuff like that. Still, I don't, I don't think I've comprehended that fully, but I, I have enough foundation that uh, I'll think about tonight when I fall asleep. Cool. Yeah. So the electric field is just the magnetic field relativistically. Sure. Seen. Okay. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. So you got about magnets. You well, have, what you else do you want to know? Well. I, Hallbach arrays? You know about Hallbach arrays? No. Hallbach arrays. Those are like the magnets that are in hard drives, or are they only like magnetic on one side? Okay. Have you noticed? Here, let me get you, let me carry some hard drive magnets. I got them some just right. in the back room here. So, hold on one sec. I'm gonna teach Greg some. I thought he was saying Hallbach arrays, not Hallbach arrays. Hallbach. <laughs> I also don't know what this music is that he's playing. I don't. I don't like it, but hey, that's okay. Jeff doesn't like all the music I present either. Okay, so I could get into magnetic potential. I don't know how interesting that is. Uh, I got some. These are rare earth magnets, so they're 
strong. So here's one. All right. Let me get you something that's ferrous. So you should find that it's Seems roughly magnetic on both sides. <laughs> it is. Um, okay, my 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 applied example is not so a holobock array. We got it right here. So the magnetic kind of shows like. I've noticed it in hard drive magnets before, but they were the bigger, I don't know, they were the three and a half inch hard drive magnets, so I, I just assume these had them too. But when you, like, if you look here at this diagram, this flux diagram for the Hallbach array, you can see how the magnetic field protrudes further on the top side than on the bottom side. Right. It has to do with the arrangement of each one of these cores, right, where each, each one's oriented, you know, it's like north, you know, like up and then sideways and then up and then the opposite direction things like that okay so it actually allows you to have a physical magnet where it's attractive on one side and not on the other side and apparently these little magnets i just brought out aren't noticeable in not being as attractive on yeah, this they side. could be a little bit more strongly as, po as possible i don't know how to measure that i i i'm not really noticing much of a difference on yeah. these ones so bad example you still want to play with a rare earth magnet there you go they shatter so be careful yeah. if you let them bang into other rare earth magnets um i was really curious like how this thing freaking worked this hallback right until i looked into it the first time because like how do you have a magnet that's not sticky on the other side right. couldn't figure it out like it would not attract iron on the other side or at least nearly as strong you can see there's a couple magnetic fields protruding out right. the bottom but out the top every, every segment has its own little loop of field the other thing that's really cool I want to talk about along the lines of Hubbock rays is um, printable magnets so like 3D printing they can print magnets out they can print like all kinds of interesting super high resolution magnets now let me show you this if I can find it real quick Oh yeah, from Smarter Every Day is where I caught this. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm going to turn... Okay, no, I, I've seen Destin's stuff. I know what you're talking about. You've seen these magnets or just Smarter Every Day? Right? I've seen Smarter Every Day. I may have seen this one. Okay, well, I think the... Uh, let, let me... Both of my parents worked at this plant and made steering pumps. The cool thing about that is that they would bring home the magnets that were out of spec and bring them to me and I got to play for... Okay, let me jump ahead a whole bunch... Magnetic viewing film? Magnetic okay, so viewing film. Yeah. This is kind of an LC liquid crystal display, but it's, it's instead of liquid crystal, it's um, liquid iron display. Okay. So when they stick it on the magnet, it, it looks... Okay. So you can see the field lines, right? The field lines, right? So this, looking at a boring one right now, where it's like a negative core in the middle of a positive ring. Okay. So... This is a conventional magnet. One big Just a, it's a neodymium, neodymium magnet. Uh, so north face got a north face and a south face, and the magnetic field. Okay, goes I guess that was all north. Around to the other face. Can we draw on the whiteboard? Absolutely. Let's say this is our magnet here. Right. So right, the field lines are going to go bit. out and in, right? 
So here, this is low resolution. This is just a nine, three by three yeah, array on the face of a magnet that's about an inch in diameter, right? And then when they show the magnetic field lines, let's see. Even even in on itself. Yeah, there's these little loops right here, right? So there's big loops looping all the way around the sides. So there's these little loops right on the face of the magnet. And I think that'll carry through people with good imaginations. But so here's another one, higher resolution, right? Hmm. And then they're doing things like, oh, 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 wait till okay, you see the latches. The latches are crazy. Of the magnetic field, so the circuits are going through the steel. And so I mean, you can see this, right? The little circuits just on the one the side there the because their faces, the faces on the same, same face of the magnet. So they're not going all the way back around to the back side. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. You understand polymagnet. That's a certain thickness, and you want to attach this one-inch magnet to it. Engineers first. <laughs> Wait. No, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done, Greg. Just right. give me one more minute. I'll give you a minute. Here's the latches. It allows you to create fascinating magnetic behaviors. For example, these magnets, they're attracted to each other, but they don't touch. They stop just a few millimeters away and seem to hover. This behavior is what they call a spring. These are springs. Uh-huh. All right, this is a spring that's a little bit different. It's a little more complex and can be used as a latch. So you see that it acts as a spring. So if you think about it, let's say like a cabinet door closure. Uh-huh. You could have a cabinet door. So the springs are like shock absorbers, right? These magnets pull themselves together until they get about a millimeter or two apart. And then because of the field lines, they repulse each other. So there's, there's equilibrium that is a gap mm-hmm. and if you push them hard together they're going to bounce back so it's kind of like a spring or a shock cool. absorber or that came together in a kind of soft close with some uh, some shock absorption but then you could twist it to latch <gasps> and hold strong. no way so hmm. i can pull against you like sure. that i close it so it's easy to pull apart until you twist it and then it mm-hmm. hard binds together and so you, you can have twist it again and pull apart magnetic latch that's cool and then when I turn it, locks into place. Snaps That's together. Ridiculous. And then you, it's hard to pull. Really this is hard. way different in your hands than it is on a video. Attraction and repulsion in the same axis. And then you rotate and you can't pull it apart. Now we know that any sufficiently mature technology looks like magic until you're nearing co Magic. <laughs> oh, he has a bunch of his people from his thing. Like, try to figure out how this stuff works without knowing about the printing of the magnets. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> So if it's not magic, how does it work? You have that locking point. That's oh, here's what here's what the. I really think it is. So they came up with these cam-shaped that? things. Uh, they're not really cams. Up, cams with teeth, right? Right. And just that's genius. The way they lock together, you know. They, that's what I figured is that you turn them in and just kind of field in one direction, mm-hmm. like in one point, but also another point. Having the idea, but then also coming up with the design. The engineering is, is, I mean, that's what that's what Desson does. It's smart every day. He's, he's really into engineering, yeah. uh, and the engineering I find I definitely find fascinating. It's not it's not what I it's not what I study, but it is what I am amazed by. It's a three D magnet printer. Yeah, that it's. It's so magnetic wonderful. A node what uh, inside teeth? the magnet gears. that's printed. So the <laughs> magnetic that gears. Printed, 
is created by magnetic pixels or maxels. More or less. Can we go look at it? Oh yeah. Think about these maxels. Somehow this machine creates magnetic pixels. Polarized. So they're showing two circular magnets. I think these are the ones that are going to have gears teeth, right? So they're not touching. Uh -huh. But they're going to have gears. So when you rotate one, the other one's going to rotate with it because they're going to have magnetic intermeshed gears. Maxels inside the magnet. You can add these pixels up to basically make images that can create forces. If you couple one image with a complementary image, you can then create incredible three-dimensional behaviors. This technology is so new, there hasn't even been enough time to think through all the different applications. I think it's a game changer. I'd love to hear what you think in the comments. And please... The, the smart so like, everyday magnet. And so here's one that has their logo, right? They printed their logo in magnetic, and now like the marble follows oh, the steel steel ball bearing follows <laughs> you can the make logo. A track. Could you do that? You need big enough magnets. <laughs> this is bizarre. All right, so here we go. Smarter every day. We have a, a marble, and it follows the the field lines. So there you go. The entire foundation. That's pretty crazy. It is it? pretty crazy. I mean, the interesting thing is, like I said, that you don't notice magnetism all the time because more or less we're used to objects being not really magnetic in, in terms of the forces adding together right. like they do in, in magnets. So it really is uh, definitely it's interesting that, that we have this example of, of a force extending out from the object mm -hmm. into what seems into nothingness it seems like but this is the way that magnet works that they actually, they have this attractive force that uh, because it's all aligned it works and, and we have the same we, we experience the same thing with other forces with gravity is a perfect example of a force that extends outward from an object but um, we can actually explain mm -hmm. magnetism. We can't explain gravity. <laughs> if you want to watch this video, Smarter Everyday Magnets, or just search for printable magnets and you'll, you'll find it. Yeah. Now, if you want to understand truly how they work, you got to understand I, right? <laughs> you actually have to understand how to do it in three dimensions, which is more than I. It's four. So in order to describe something in, in, in two dimensions, you need I. You need to have that second, uh, the second sort of axis to sort of describe um, an object in two dimensions. But in order to describe an object in three dimensions, you need it turns out four. You need to have another axis, right? And then you have to have something that is k your rotation. Okay. So yeah, it's so you have x y z, and then you have k to talk about your rotation. It's, and then if you have four dimensions, you have eight things. It just starts to get more and more crazy. I can't. I still can't understand four dimension stuff. I mean, I can't picture it. There are people I know of who say they can picture four dimensional stuff. I can't. I still don't get it. Four dimension, fourth dimension meaning time. Four, no, four dimension like a, a, a fourth spatial dimension. Oh, fourth spatial. Like a hypercube is a mm -hmm. four-dimensional cube. Each of its surface is a three-dimensional cube. Right. But it extends into a fourth dimension. I never thought too hardly about the fourth spatial. Uh, I think I have a pretty good description, analogy or description for imagining time like in 3D, but... Yeah, there's no... 
there's no reasonable way to imagine a fourth space dimension, much less a fifth and a sixth. But mathematically, you can describe them by simply adding terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, these multidimensional things come in handy, uh, but they aren't necessarily real. But, I mean, the reason why I comes in handy, like when you're doing, when you start doing some some higher level integration and things like that, you start doing uh, differential equations, the it really helps to be able to use your complex plane because then it, your answer is going to be on the real part of of your answer. Mm-hmm. So you just you, you're extending this into a, a plane where you can do work with it, and then your answer is going to be whatever the real value is. Okay, very helpful, very useful math. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that's basically how math is working. And like I said, this thing wouldn't now. This wouldn't necessarily behave this way if you started this move this going. Then you'd have a movement that this would be attracted to. But in order to explain, mm-hmm. you sort of have to say what happens when this is moving and this is already moving. And it's okay. it's easier to, to look at it that way. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I'll think about that. I hadn't thought about the relativistic uh, perception of the electrons to the protons as being the motivator for magnetic fields. I, gotta, I definitely want to digest that. Cool stuff. Special relativity, man. It's genius. It's magic. In a way. All right. I got to pee. You got to pee. Let's go pee. Let's pee.